This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Movie Podcast. My name is Anthony. I'm one of your hosts. Alongside me to my virtual right, or virtual left, I don't know because I'm at home, um, is Mr. Shea. How are you doing, Mr. Shea? They call me Mr. Shea. How are you guys doing? I'm, I was okay before that happened. I, you know, I, I, combined, <laughs> I combined Pumbaa with, uh, with a little bit of Captain Hook, I think. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it happened, but it, it just did. I don't know. I, I, I felt a little bit like there was a hint of like Sean Connery in there as well, too, because you were just doing the Bane voice <laughs> before we started recording. So they call me, <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, it, it could have okay. been it, it could have been Sean Connery voicing Pumbaa while also just getting off the set of uh, Peter Pan. There is a lot. There's a lot happening. There's lots to unpack. Yeah, but it was I, a nice I, I give a lot of depth to my characters. Yeah. Hmm. You want them to know where they come from. Exactly. Yeah. And not forget it. Exactly. And the voice you've just heard, Mr. Daniel. Uh, that was my nickname in high school, actually. <laughs> the voice you just heard, yeah, that was Daniel. So, uh, thank you. Hello. It's good to be here. It's good. It's good, 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 good. As always, you can catch a new episode of The Movie Podcast every Monday across your favorite podcast services. If you want to be a part of the show and give us your comments, suggestions, and corrections, head over to thistimewith.com slash talk you can also follow us at the movie podcast on instagram and twitter and don't forget to leave us a review on apple Podcasts and join our discord check out our show notes for all those links and more we also you know have- this is uh before you we continue yeah uh this is the 75th time we've done that intro oh this is episode 75 i still haven't gotten it right <laughs> it was only around like episode 60 that you finally get the ending correct um yeah, maybe yeah the intro true. will be 60 more episodes you know you know maybe we'll aim for episode 100 but my gosh what a what a journey it's been so far guys eh? 75 times that we've we've had an intro like that it hasn't really like i haven't really noticed um <laughs> 75 episodes have passed it just feels like every episode is you know a new time, you know, a new show. Like it just doesn't feel like 75. So it's crazy that we've hit that number. I know a lot yeah. of podcasts have hit it and then, you know, dispatched or you know, <laughs> hit it and quit it, you know? Yeah. Hit it and quit it and never really come back or maybe go on like sabbaticals or something like that. But, hmm. you know, no, I'm really proud of all the work that we've done. And also we have so many listeners out there and I'm so happy that people really want to hear what, uh, you know, three guys from uh, Canada want to say about movies. Yeah, and honestly, the best uh, episodes are are on their way still. I mean, we have so many fun guests planned in industry, from the movie industry, from the people who make the movies that we talk about will be joining us mm-hmm. um, in the next couple of weeks and few months. So I, I can't wait for us to 
talk more with them because when we look at our guests that we had so far with Kevin Lima and Ludwig and Sarah from Cineplex, like we've had so many like fun guests on the show. Um, and even with, from our friends from Nicole and Asha, like we've, and, and Matt and Nate, uh, we've had so many, uh, fun guests on the show and we love talking to people. So 75 episodes is no small number. And I'm so happy that we've made it to here because from the first, when we, once we ep- uploaded episode zero way back last year in February, like you could only dream of getting into like the double digits or the triple digit digits and what a, what a journey it's been so far. So, um, happy to be here with you guys. We also hit another achievement from what I remember. We've hit pretty much all the continents in the world. So we had a list. Yes, we have. <laughs> From South Africa, which hit the African continent. So we pretty much are world-dominating podcasts right now. Mm -hmm. It's true. I think the only... uh, Is uh, Antarctica is a continent, right? Yeah, but no one lives there, you know? Yeah, they don't have podcasts there. I don't know if they have electricity there. But uh, they don't have podcasts there. They're probably just still like, oh, we're discovering fire, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, ju- just this week we uh, we finally got to South Africa, so uh, we will uh, hopefully continue to grow our listener base there. Yeah, yeah. To all our new South African listeners, hello. Uh, that <laughs> Was that a, <laughs> a, a little? <laughs> I'm like, are, are you I, doing a Hugh Jackman impression? I, or at I, least they're on. I, I realize like my South African accent, it, it's so aggressive. You know, like I, I keep thinking back to uh, District Nine. You know, fucking prompts. So, who is that? Uh, Charlton Copley. <laughs> Charlton Copley. So I, I think back to him, and when he talks, it's sometimes so aggressive. Even though I love him so much, but um, yeah, great. Yeah, I, I won't. Uh, or who was it? Uh, it was Leo that did, did a South African accent in Blood Diamond, didn't he? In Blood Diamond, yep. Yeah, he did that. Yeah. He said, uh, "What do you say? Yeah. Like bling?" He said, "Bling, bling," and then "bling, blang" or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What a time. 75 <laughs> episodes, guys. Congrats. And thank yeah. you for listening so far. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some announcements. Please check out our commentaries on Game Night, Sicario, and Spider-Man 2002, now available on the Movie Podcast feed. Uh, you can also catch up on our Black Lives Matter episode, Zack Snyder's Justice League Snyder Cut, coming to HBO Max in 2021. And interview with Kevin Lima, director of a goofy movie, Tarzan, and Enchanted, and more. Uh, You can also check out The Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast available now, as well as our reviews on The PlayStation Revolution, Mulan, Tenant, and New Mutants. So those are all in the archives. Those are all in our archives, all on the movie podcast feed, and... I'll be honest, with some of the news that we were getting this week, Tenet and is probably going to be the last new movie in theaters we review for a little while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we'll get there. You guys ready to head over to the news? Always. Okay. Let's do it. Let's, let's try to do this. <gasps> that sounded like, I don't know, it sounded on time. <laughs> sounded it, on did, it did sound pretty good. I'll be honest, I start. I feel like I started soon, but I don't know what the delay. Is it all going to come together? We won't know until we edit this episode. So. We'll find out yeah. after these messages. After these <laughs> messages. First order of business, Disney admits Mulan controversy polyp has created a lot of issues for us. And this is coming from Johanna Desta of Variety, 
variety vanity fair in the (laughs) in the lead up to its release disney's live action mulan has generated a surprising amount of political controversy first Mm -hmm. in 2019 star lu yifei spoke out in support of hong kong police despite law enforcement's brutal treatment of pro-democracy protesters her comments sparked the hashtag boycott mulan a rallying cry that was renewed after some eagle-eyed viewers noticed that Disney had thanked eight government bodies in the Xinjiang, a western province, in the film's credits. Parts of Mulan were shot in the province, a disturbing revelation as it's, saint, as, as, it, as it's the same region where China has forced an estimated 1 million to 2 million Uyghur Muslims, a local oppressed minority, into concentration camps there's a lot to unpack there i think uh there's a lot to this story let's let's Um, just yeah let's talk about that portion and then we'll talk about the other part of this this document so um i'll throw it off to to you daniel when you heard this um and this broke about what two days ago that the uh that the uh, people were fed up and angry with the praise i guess mulan was getting or like how disney was treating it and not realizing what was behind it um yeah you know there there it's a lot there's a lot there and you know the whole road to mulan wasn't was one that was full of criticism one because um, let's just look at the movie itself. you know shay and i we reviewed it with our friend nicole we liked the movie um but when you hear everything that comes with its surrounding, it makes us, it makes you not want to celebrate it because there's so many human, like basic human right, like just atrocity atrocities happening that surrounded that just make you be like, no, like I don't want to celebrate. This is nothing to celebrate. Um, but if we look at the movie itself, it's like, yeah, you know, this, this music was different. That was causing a lot of controversy. People were upset that Mushu wasn't in it. That was creating a lot of controversy. But then you have the actual controversies that matter. Ones that are about human life and speaking out and protesting and being pro-democracy. Those are the real controversies here. Regardless of what you think of the actual creative output of the movie, these are the the, the facts that matter. That, that the star spoke out in support of the police that was a big issue and that that is 100% a huge issue with everything happening in hong kong that was a, a major issue and now we have these uh the con- these concentration camps essentially with with the muslims in it that they're being oppressed and being put there. like that's that's just it's just it blows my mind that this is something that's happening in 2020 and then to add salt in the wound it's disney thanking those regions in china further support with the movie and i get it i get that you have to issue thanks for where you shoot and things like that in the credits but you would just think that there would be more um thoughts put into hey maybe let's not thank this part of the government that's doing these atrocities in the world right there's 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 a lot here um shay i'll kick it i'll kick it over to you yeah. Um, Sorry, you know, I kind of went off there. No, no, it's all good. I mean, it's good to to go deep into it. I mean, here's the thing. At the end of the day, um, you know, we watched the film and we're like, yeah, we enjoyed it. But now the film has left such a sour taste in my mouth. And yeah. um, I really I really wouldn't watch it again now. I, I'm at that point where I'm really upset at Disney 
you know, um, especially with shooting near the the Muslim uh, concentration camps. Like that's that's really messed up. I mean, you know, the Yifei Lu um, controversy around the police was was already very difficult to kind of uh, understand and see what she was trying to do. But it, the vibe that I got from Disney here is, you know, they, they they speak so much about human rights, but here at the end of the day, do they care? And the vibe that I got was they don't. And it, it just seems like at the end of the day, it's about the dollar. And that's not, I would hope that's not what Disney's trying to do, even though at the end of the day, we know that they're the biggest company out there. They're the ones that, uh, you know, control everything. But it, it just felt very scummy, in my opinion. Um, we started to feel this when, you know, they were opening up Walt Disney World in the middle of a pandemic. And we we're like, oh, okay, this is kind of a dumb decision. Um, and it's just like now they keep rolling back with these really bad ideas and decisions. And I really hope they sit down and think about what they're doing and, and who the amount of people that they're affecting. Because I I personally cannot support this film anymore. I, I, I don't think that – I think this movie – has caused a lot of controversy and a lot of pain to a lot of people. And, you know, I, I'm sorry that if we didn't use our platform before to, to, to bring that to light, because I would hope that we are considered also people that you know, are for the people as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just, it's disgusting and it's, it's very upsetting in my opinion. Yeah. And, and here, and here's the thing, you know, like, actor again like we we have our episode on china's influence over hollywood so if you Mm -hmm. haven't listened to that episode i definitely recommend you you go back and listen to that you know we get it that you know when we're dealing with different countries here and obviously we're we're speaking as you know we're speaking as people from north america we're speaking as canadians especially like we're speaking with as as people who have our freedom to express whatever we want we're not censored or, or anything like that but like when you see things like this happening you know when you see like these decisions being made it's it's upsetting and in, and especially like with with voicing like going back to her voicing her support of the of the police you know like she's not the only uh chinese actor to have done that like mm. obviously i'm not going to call out other actors who have done that but i get that when you're when you're from a country where it's very driven by your your government and you're a public figure i I understand why you have to, but I don't condone it. You know, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I get why she said this, but I don't think it's right. And I, and I wish she didn't. But also, we're, we're at a point in 2020 where you you would think that good and evil, there'd be a clear, like, just, just a clear distinction between it now. You know, it just, it just with everything that's happened in this hellscape of a, of a year, you know, this is like having controversy because of a, a Disney princess movie at the end of the day. Like it's such a beloved movie, like an animated movie. And it just sucks that they, they've only done this to themselves essentially. Right. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is not other people's doing. This is a decision that, that Disney's made to thank this government and, yeah, it's it's just very upsetting. There's more to the story, though. I'll let Anthony. Uh, yeah, let me uh, let me continue. So uh, now Disney Brass has admitted that the stack of controversies has caused problems for the studio. Disney CFO Christine McCarthy explicitly addressed the controversy at the Bank of America Virtual 2020 Media, media answering a question about whether the scandals would impact the film's box office potential. 
I'm not a box office pro prognosticator, but it has generated a lot of publicity, she said, per the outlet. Let me just put something into context. The real facts are that Mulan was primarily shot almost in, in entirety in New Zealand. In an effort to accurately depict some of the unique landscapes and geography of the country of China for this period drama, we filmed scenery in 20 different locations in China. It's common knowledge that in order to film in China, you have to be granted permission. That permission comes from the central government. McCarthy also added that it's a standard industry practice to acknowledge in a film's credits the national and local governments that allowed you to film there. So in our credits, it's recognized both China and locations in New Zealand. I would just leave it at that, but it has generated a lot of issues for us. Produced for $200 million, the most Disney has spent on any of his live-action remakes, remakes, Mulan was once expected to do gangbuster business in, in the China mar- Chinese market. So that was Disney's, uh, I guess response to the whole situation where they were trying to and i don't not the word i don't want to say cover up but they were just trying to like sweep it under the rug where it's like well we have to acknowledge them because that's how these films are made which is bullshit because you know you know that there are fucking human rights issues happening in that in the country and you're acknowledging that and you Mm -hmm. are an enabler for that Mm mm-hmm you know, that's you're enabling. You're not condoning it. You you just said, well, we have to we have to recognize it. But yeah, there was like five a million slaves just across the border there, but we had to you know say thank you for that. Like that's bullshit. We you Disney, you know that you know the world. Like especially in the United States, everyone's going through the whole country is going through a civil rights movement. You're not recognizing the shit that's happening in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And all for that money, all for that money. And I think this is going to like this, this type of like stuff that's happening around the world. No one's, no one is, is going to agree to it anymore. They're going to count, call you out on it and you better have some sort of um, game to fix it. I think when you look at um, Anthony, I I think you're right. A hundred percent. I just, I just think it's funny in the context of, um, of this statement where the statement was given of all places at the bank of America, virtual 2020 media, like again, uh, like the, and it's their Disney CFO, their chief financial officer talking about this. And I, th- has that been Disney's official response so far? Like when, when I was putting it together, I haven't seen any, any statements from uh, like Bob Iger or from, um, Chipek. I'm, uh, so from Chap from Chapic, you know, like I we haven't <laughs> we haven't we haven't seen any like official statement on this, and I don't know if it's them playing the game of oh let us let us just kind of blow over let mm-hmm. let this pass let this new cycle pass, but it sucks, and and I just think from from even from this whole process of Mulan, we were talking about let's look at the the creative choices itself on this movie, right? We spoke about Bushu, we spoke about the music, but how about the director? The director wasn't someone of Chinese descent. They got a, a director from New Zealand to, to make this Carol, movie. Right? Yeah. She's from New Zealand, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like there's, there's a lot of choices being made and the writers were all white writers as well too. Like there's a lot of choices that were made in this movie that, 
either way, this is a lose lose situation on the end for Disney because yeah, Mulan is a beloved property. Yes, they're remaking a lot of their m- beloved animated films in live action. Sure, you're going to you're going to have people upset about that. But when you're when you're creating something that like let's make something that is going to be a celebration of Chinese and Asian culture and like making this movie uh, not just for like for a certain audience, but for the world to love and embrace that. You know, we look at Black Panther and look at the success that was. That was a movement. Black Panther was a movement that came out, mm-hmm. and that all had to do with everything from the cast, the writers, Ryan Coogler directing, the producers making that a movement to create that movie as a celebration of not just superheroes or the character of Black Panther, but of black culture and like I, that Mulan wasn't that again, we enjoyed Mulan for what it was. We're like, Oh, you know what? This is, this was a, a well done movie, but at the end, end of the day, like at the end of the year, I'm not going to be thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it anymore, especially mm-hmm. with all this happening. Like this isn't something that I want to like celebrate anymore. And obviously at the box office, it's not doing so great. <laughs> you know, it's not doing well in China. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's just not doing well in, in that province. And Disney hasn't released any, uh, streaming numbers yet so with and then with all this controversy too i've had a lot of people that i've spoken to that are like you know what like i was curious about it but i'm not i'm not paying to support that movie and that mm-hmm. is 100 your right to do that vote mm-hmm. with your wallet mm-hmm. that's how these companies will realize mm-hmm. that people are being serious vote with your wallet exactly and here we are now talking about it um, let's move on to the Academy Awards. So, uh, Film Academy sets inclusion requirements for Oscars. Will take full effect in 2024. This is coming from Scott Feinberg of Hollywood Reporter. To encourage equitable representation on and off screen in order to better reflect the diversity of the movie-going audience, films will have to meet a minimum requirements pertaining to representation and inclusion to be eligible for Best Picture Oscar, beginning with the 96th Oscar race, which will recognize achievements from 2024 and be held in 2025. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science Sciences announced the Tuesday. In the meantime, an Academy Inclusion Standards form will have to be submitted to the Academy for a film to be considered for the 94th Oscars and 95th Oscars, although meeting inclusion thresholds will not yet be a requirement. And no action will be required for films wishing to compete for the 93rd Oscars, which are to be held in April of 20, April 25th. Yeah, 2021, that one. That was, yes. Yeah. So I'll throw it off to you, Shay. Um, how do you feel, or like, let's talk about just the Oscars and how they've come a long way in terms of trying to change their uh, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for their per- not the, the perception of themselves to mm-hmm. the rest of the, the you know the world when it comes to their films uh, I, I was I was kind of torn on this because I think obviously you know I'm here for inclusion um, I think when you set rules and standards it becomes this like box that you have to check instead of genuinely wanting to make a film within those parameters. Mm. Um, I, I look back at a lot of the, the great films that I watch and you know what, it, it is, you know, very white most of the time. And it's, it's unfortunate that studios think that, Oh, well this, this actor here, this, this Brown actor, this black actor, this 
Asian actor won't sell as much. Or if I got to make a movie with them in it, I got to make it about their culture and then their experiences. Um, so I, I'm here for it. I, I'm excited to see what it does. But I'm also nervous because now I'm thinking the quality of films that we're going to get down the road that are going to be aiming for an Oscar because there are a lot of movies that are just Oscar bait. Um, how are those movies going to look? Because already we can kind of tell when a movie's Oscar bait. Now I'm curious. Oh, well, like I'm sitting there with a list in my hand going, yep, it has a brown guy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there's one female. Excellent. So I, I'm, I'm excited yet nervous is the best way I can put it. Hmm. What about you? I'm the same way. I'm I'm the same way. Like I'm I'm all for this. I'm excited that I'm glad that these are measures being taken by the academy because I think without these measures, as as many new members are being inducted into the academy every single year, we spoke about it earlier this year with something like 830 new members. Um, you're still in a system that is largely and predominantly white and old white people and probably old racist white people mm-hmm. and. Um, they'll probably vote for maybe films or people that look like them more. And that's just the reality of the situation. Just like Shay, my fear of this is I, I fear it's going to be a, a checkbox. You know, like I don't want it. I don't want it to become that. I want it to be something that is just natural. Maybe just, just not like this is genuine. Like this is how it should be. Like, I don't want it to be like, like, like some type like, like a, like a tokenism of, of like of race, like, Oh, you know what? We have just one black person here just so we could show that we're um, diverse, but they're just there to, to fill a role. And I, and I don't want that to happen. And I'm saying that for any, um, not just like with, for, for black people, I'm saying that for anyone who um, identifies from another uh, ethnic group or a different from, from anything like it just it's just it's just one of those things that i'm like i just want to make sure that studios aren't just checking off a box at the end of the day mm-hmm. um it's, but yeah they they have a large like if, if you click on the link in our show notes we have the links to all the stories in the show notes themselves um if you go to this hollywood reporter story from scott um he breaks down basically the the criteria for like um for like lead actor for like best picture for the creative team, things like that. There's a lot here. That's why we're not going to every single aspect of it. Cause it literally looks like a legal document, mm-hmm. but there's a lot here. And I'm really curious to see how studios respond to this. Yeah. It, when I was looking at that document, it really felt like, you know, something that you would see in like the corporate America world where, you know, a company would hire a certain amount of, uh, yeah. um, just so they look like they're diverse. It just felt like that. It just, and I get, like, I get what they're trying to do and they're trying to change. And, you know, I guess it, it's going the the good route. Like, they're doing everything they can. Um, I just hope one day they just, we get rid of those boxes and it just becomes, you know, yeah, you're a great actor. You're brown. You're going to be in this picture and people just love it, you know? Yeah. Um, let's move on to some tenant news. Warner Brothers won't share tenant box office data, angering rival studios. And this is coming from Rebecca Rubin of Variety. P- 
people who closely follow box office earnings have noticed a surprising lack of transparency surrounding ticket sales for Tenet, the $200 million budgeted sci-fi epic from director Christopher Nolan that released last weekend in U.S. theaters. Though it started playing in theaters on Thursday, September 3rd, Warner Brothers waited until Sunday, September 6th, to officially announce opening weekend grosses. Tenant earned $20 million over the long weekend, a middling result for a film of its size. The studio, however, however, was concerned that reporters and rivals would misinterpret or unfairly analyze the results, leading to headlines that may incorrectly label Tenant's debut as a flop. Warner Brothers urged journalists to provide context by noting that ticket sales would automatically be lower than normal given the fact that theaters in major markets like New York and Los Angeles aren't opening cinemas that have reopened, have done so at reduced capacities. So let's stop here. Um, I'll start with you, Daniel. How do you feel about tenants numbers and just the way, uh, I guess, you know, rival studios are angry about not being uh, transparent with those numbers? Ah uh, man, <laughs> you know this 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 is difficult because obviously, like we enjoy Tenet, and we, we saw it in theaters. Uh, we I think most of, we, we've all seen it twice. Or Anthony, you were going to go see it again? Yes, um, I was going to see it, but I didn't. I didn't. Um, I will go see it again. So. <laughs> it's just, but it's it's just that thing that we knew this was going to happen, though. Like I don't think there was ever a a, a scenario. That we we believe that you know what Tenet is going to be the movie that saves movie theaters. This is going to be the one that's going to bring in hundreds of millions of people to go watch this movie. Because if that was if Tenet did well, I'd be like, that's kind of scary. Why are all these people going to the theaters in the states where the numbers are so high right now? Um, even us here in Canada and Ontario, our numbers have been going up. I'm not saying that's because of theaters. I'm just saying that. With, with numbers going up, I think people may be more scared to go out to the theaters. And Tenet, it's not flopping right now, but obviously it's not making the hundreds of millions that Warner Brothers traditionally would make with a Nolan movie. And I think that's okay. Maybe this is a sign of people being smart, not wanting to go to the theater. And I'm hoping that theaters start to really think about the home release model more and more and again we've had some delays this week as well too which we'll get to but yeah again this isn't anything that's surprising i just wish that uh again i get why warner brothers is trying to maybe trying to sweep this under the rug a little bit more but when we look at what happened with wonder woman not even a week after its opening weekend uh it's no surprise that they're they're starting to push things around again like you gotta give tenant some some praise because they did take a risk in trying to release sure. this movie and being the only movie of the past seven months is a huge undertaking especially for its uh, for its you know budget and trying to get that money to come back to to them but that risk was it was a 50 50 either people went to go see it or didn't and when you have right. major markets like new york and los angeles who can't go to the theater those are like populations of over 8 million people that's a lot of people that are not able to watch films and i i get where 
you know, I've been watching a lot of trailers and every one of these trailers ends only in theaters. If that is your idea of trying to like force people to go to the movies so they can watch these movies, you're not going to win them over because there are a lot of people who are super, super scared to go anywhere. And yes, you might see crowds of people doing this and there, but there is a lot more of people who are not, who would normally go to a film are not going anymore. And I noticed this because when I went to go watch, or I was looking at watching Tenet a week after, and I went to like Cineplex VIP, there were, all the seats were available at like prime time. I think it was like 7.30 showing or eight o'clock showing. I'm like, man, no one, whoever wanted to watch Tenet watched it that first week. And now it's, no one wants to see it anymore. What about you, Shay? How do you feel? Um, you know, it, it's, <laughs> I'm actually surprised that they're not showing the numbers, but I'm also not surprised at the same time because it, it might be embarrassing. They're absolutely right. Um, yeah, the, the numbers are definitely going down. I saw it again for a second time and the theater was a lot more packed and I'm using air quotes when I say that because it still was pretty dead. Uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll get to my, how I felt about it, my second viewing when we get to what we're watching, but yeah, I mean, at, at the moment right now, this was definitely like like a test, you know, to see, hey, if we bring this out, what's gonna happen? And I think I don't know if I, I don't know if it backfired or if they got what they were anticipating. So I think we just kind of have to wait now and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's more to this article, so let's start off with uh, with streaming rivals such as Netflix and Amazon keeping a tight grip on the number of times films are watched and refusing to reveal box office data about their films, more traditional studios have grown frustrated. Rival studios are closely watching the Nolan film as a test to see if people would go to the movies during the pandemic. The results, in effect, would help Hollywood decide whether or not to continue releasing big-budget temples in the middle of a global health crisis. Um, For me... I think the 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 Disney approach where you you know you release it in theaters and you release it at home, it's a win win because people who don't want to go to theaters still can watch it, and people who do want to go to theaters can watch it, and they get the best of both both worlds. Um, and you charge a premium for those who will be watching it at home, um, even though. But know, Disney might- didn't even end up doing that, you know. Like they they didn't end up following that model because I don't think Mulan you could watch it anywhere in theaters right now. Not even in because like even here like no like Mulan's not playing anywhere on like when I when you look at the Cineplex website um, Mulan isn't on it as something that you could watch. So I'm assuming that Disney just went the route of uh, we're just doing this as a Disney Plus premium premiere access whatever they're calling it release because they didn't end up following through on that uh, theatrical release other than I think in China right now. It was closer to the time when it was coming out that I noticed the wording on their advertisements changed from, you know, available on Disney Plus to exclusively available on Disney Plus. So I was like, oh, okay, they're just making it for Disney Plus. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, like, and, and just like what Anthony was saying here too, like Netflix and Amazon, they don't really release their streaming numbers often. I guess it's it's a little different when it's box office because obviously it's the box office. But again, I'm just curious to know in all the scenarios that Warner Brothers ran, is this close to what they were expecting? 
is this what they were expecting? Like, it's still like when you look at like the global um, take of Tenet so far, it's not awful. It, it's it's just not it's not a, a huge number. It's at one hundred fifty two million dollars world worldwide right now. So it's made most of its money overseas for sure, uh, but it's not like it's not terrible it's that's not a it's not a bad number it's still a, a high number but when you think of it in context with other nolan movies yeah it's it's really small especially when you consider that like there are some movies like i think dark knight it's opening weekend made like 155 million in its opening weekend again this is 12 years ago in a pre-pandemic world but like this is just i i, I want to know in context is this what they were expecting or not is this a success to them or not with them holding back numbers and pushing Wonder Woman, probably not. Mm. Well, Trolls made a hundred million just in VOD, correct? Probably more. Something now. like that. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, I think it, it made a, it made a lot of money. And when you consider that all that money was like going directly to the studio instead of having cut with the theaters and stuff like that. Yeah, it did well. I mean, there was a split with, I guess, with iTunes and stuff. But with Disney Plus, it's going right to Disney, so they're probably uh, they're probably making a lot of money. No, they're saying that like this tenant release is not considered the full. Like, this is not the we're gonna re re release it as once the pandemic starts to slow down. Do you think <laughs> that's like the best decision to do, or do you think like maybe we should just? You know, it's been out in theaters for the past three to four weeks. Let's get it onto, you know, VOD so people can watch it at home because we know that no one's in the <laughs> theaters for the next at least I wonder, five months to January. I um, really wonder if this is going to get home release this year or are they just going to just keep this on, keep this at in the box office for the next like 10 months. It's going to become the highest grossing movie of all time somehow just because it's the only th- movie playing in theaters. I don't know. Oh, okay, let's move on to Borat. So Borat 2 has already been shot and screened by Sasha Baron Cohen. This is coming from Jeff Snyder of Collider. Last month, we noticed social media reports about Sasha Baron Cohen shooting something in Los Angeles as one of his most beloved characters. And today, Collider can exclusively report that Borat 2 has already been shot and even screened for a select few industry types. It's unclear who is paying for the sequel but it wouldn't surprise us it wouldn't surprise us if borat 2 was being financed by a deep pocketed streamer after all 20th century fox released the first film but the disney owned studio is unlikely to be prioritizing an r-rated comedy in the midst of the pandemic so we'll start off with you shay um how do you feel about borat 2 uh being already shot and screened well, there was that that video that leaked. Um, I want to say a few weeks ago of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen uh, filming as Borat, and I think that was, I guess, that first inkling that something was happening. Uh, and I, I think he recently did another one where he was at a Trump rally and he was singing songs that were offensive. Yep, <laughs> uh, there was that one too. Uh, look, here's the thing: I loved Borat when it came out. I haven't really watched it since it came out. Um, so I, I it's very I think, a movie of its time. I, yeah, exactly. I think it's a very much a movie of its time. Uh, but I love Sasha Baron Cohen. Like when he did the, that show that he just did on Showtime, Saving oh America, Saving America. That's it. Or this, is, yeah, Saving America, or Saving this is America. America. Some well, this is America is a song. But no, I think, no, I know that. But uh, <laughs> is it Saving America? 
Something America. But um sorry, yes. Who is America? Who is America? Who is America? That's, That's it. it. Um but it's yeah, I absolutely love that show. I was laughing so hard. I thought it was so funny and I love when he does all these characters. So um, I think when he does a Borat 2, uh, it's going to be very interesting because it's been long enough now that most people either have forgotten about Borat or the ones that are still out of the loop have kind of forgotten what that character is. So I think I think this is a good time to do it. I'm just curious as to what it's going to be like and what it's going to be about. But definitely a lot of bashing of Trump, which I'm here for. 100%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, I think he's he's one of those actors that he just commits. And I, and I love that. I love seeing those interviews that he does and who is America and just him going undercover. And just he's a very he's a he's a very smart, smart person. And I just I hope if he does a Borat 2 is a thing, it sounds like it is at this point. Um, I feel like it's going to be one of those surprise drops on on netflix or wherever it's going to be like they're just gonna be like yes what borat 2 it's out now or it's out this week like it won't be a long lead-up time they're just going to release it and i'm hoping this comes before the election i really hope this comes before the election who do you think streams this uh, uh disney plus for sure <laughs> uh i think it's going to be amazon that's just my prediction, but I could also see it going to Netflix. I don't see Apple TV touching this. Uh, I could see uh, my first guess is Amazon and then Netflix. Shay, what do you, who do you got? I'm going to go with, uh, with Daniel there. I, I can see Amazon or Netflix taking it. I, I also kind of can see Apple TV plus because it almost seems like they would, like, they would pull a bold one, you know, like a real, like, Oh, well, why not give it a shot, bitches? You know, something like that. <laughs> but uh, that's Tim Cook talking, by the way. That was Tim. Uh, that was Tim it, it's, it's funny, though, because, like, back in the early days of Apple TV, we spoke about, like, oh, Apple doesn't want anything higher than PG-13 contents, right? And, again, we'll, we'll talk about this, like, what, what we've been watching. But I've been, I, I watched the seven episodes of Ted Lasso that are available. And as amazing as that show is and as, as positive he is, there is a lot of... Uh, fucks and shits and swearing in that show too so i'm like yeah it's not the case like they're i don't think apple's scared of more mature content and you know what if it does come to apple tv plus that'd be dope i think that'd be a huge get for them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. cool uh let's move on to new dates so we have a new date again oh my god 1984 this time december 25th 2020 so Wonder Ugh. Woman has moved to the Christmas, um, the Christmas theater experience, uh, which is strange because it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie to watch. But uh, no, <laughs> yeah. What What do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about Wonder Woman again moving their date? Six times the charm, right? Mm. And one week before, one week after Dune. This this literally was the the only thing that when you when you think about how Tenet's looking at the box office, Wonder Woman being pushed again to December is there is Warner Brothers being like, yeah, you know what, we want this to make more money. Um, I don't think it's going to stick to the state. I think December twenty fifth is a very, um, it's a weird time to release a Wonder Woman movie, especially because this feels like such a summer movie. Um, I 
don't want it to stick to the state. I just hope at this point they're like, you know what? Next summer, just put it next summer because they Warner Brothers has had a lot of movies that have mo- moved out of the summer next year and just ah oh man, I don't want to see this in December. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how Warner Brothers thinks that uh, during flu season and the cold, they think that COVID is going to be more relaxed that they can release this movie. They should just put like a like a question mark on it and been like releasing when shit isn't awful, you know, like one of yeah. those. Just, think- just delay it until like you have a, a a date. Like you don't need right now. You don't need this giant lead time. Just be like, you know what? Only in theaters. Cool. When is it coming? We don't know yet. Yeah, I think that's yeah. great. I, th- I think they're trying to bank on the Aquaman, um, because Aquaman came out December twenty first, twenty eighteen, but that wasn't during a pandemic. Yeah. No. Like. You, there's no fucking way that the pandemic is going to just solve itself in the next four months, you know? No, it's dumb. Like we, you guys, I, yeah. millions of dollars to think about this. Like, do I have to like spell it out for you? This is not going to happen. <laughs> but, uh, but I, really I would think, just <laughs> people think that it's going to end this year. Like this is like COVID is just a 2020 thing. COVID can evolve in like a couple of months. It started January. Who knows? Next January could be like part two. Like yeah, a harder dose of it. We don't know. Yeah. Godfather Part Two version of it. You know, I just don't understand. Uh, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I don't. I just don't understand. Like, so they didn't move Dune yet. So why wouldn't they just be like, okay, Wonder Woman is taking Dune spot, which is a week before, which would have been a such better release date. Like a December twenty fifth release date for Wonder Woman is very strange to me because it's like, yeah, it's a popular day at the theaters. But it's still Christmas Day. Like nobody's thinking about Wonder Woman on Christmas Day. Like it's that's it's such a strange move, like to have that movie released then. I heard and the, then sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please. No, I was just saying I heard the reason that they delayed it was because um and putting it on Christmas Day is because they're actually gonna CGI her wearing a Santa suit now throughout <laughs> the whole film. She's gonna have like a big white beard and a red hat. And the whole film, she's just got this whip and she's just beating the shit of people, but She's not saying like ho 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 as she's doing it too. Okay, interesting, interesting. Oh, That's what I, I, I'll watch that. You know, I'll watch yeah. the Santa release the Santa this. cut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Release, <laughs> release the Santa the, cut. Um, the Chris Kringle cut. You know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's just it's just a it's a weird choice. I don't think there's any way in hell that this movie keeps this release date, and I just wish that studios would just take the Candyman approach or take just only in theaters. Don't put a date on it. And then once it's closer, release it. Cause mm. it's just a weird move. Talking about a lot Candy- of bad studio choices this week on the movie podcast. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking about Candyman, Candyman, which was supposed to be released. Uh, I think was it September, October, September. I think September. Yeah. It was supposed to be released originally in June. Oh yeah. And then it got pushed to October. And now it's sometime in 2020. Yeah, sometime in 2021, which I like because, you know, like it's not giving me a date that's, you know, in the next three weeks um, or a couple of months. Um, I actually liked the October release for Candyman because it just felt of like it's a horror film that should take place during the, the horror months. Usually it's like the end of September, early October. Uh, leading to Halloween. I never understand the, you know, the summer horror film. Which yeah, I or Doctor Sleep in money. November. Remember, money. like you can make money at any time. That's what we now know. Just you can't make money during a pandemic. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're releasing movies in theaters, for shit, sure. They, they released, you know, what was the, the Halloween in October? In October. A phenomenal yeah, movie, phenomenal too. Movie. Great. Made a lot of money. And yep. know, there's a sequel that was supposed to come out this year, but now yeah. it's going to be pushed back to the following October. But but do you remember last year, like Dr. Sleep released in November and it didn't do well because it's like, why would you release a Dr. Sleep uh, horror movie, a sequel to The Shining in November? What a weird move. That And Dr. Sleep was a great film. It was a great like predecessor to The Shining. It wasn't The Shining, yes. It wasn't a Kubrick film, but it was... Um, true to the book from what I've heard. And when I watched it, I was like, wow, this is a great film. I can't believe so many people haven't watched it. Um, so go watch it if you if you have Crave or buy it. I think it's like 10 bucks on iTunes. Yeah, no, I think, um, I'm, I think I'm going to – I have to watch it still. So yeah, maybe I will. It's really, really good. Um, some other news. Nia DaCosta via Twitter. We made Candyman to see in theaters – uh, not just for the spectacle, but because the film is about community and stories, how they shape each other, how they um, how they shape us. It's about the collective experience of trauma and joy, suffering and triumph, and the stories we tell around it. We wanted the horror and humanity of Candyman to be experienced in a collective, a community. So we're pushing Candyman to next year to ensure that everyone can see the film in theaters and share in that experience, which is a great response. You know, like you're giving it like that hope. I, I just don't even like to tell you the truth. I don't think we'll ever be the same. I don't think we'll ever have full pack theaters anymore. I don't think that'll ever happen again. Um, just now that we're more aware of germs and how they can really hurt us. I just don't see us being shoulder to shoulder with 90 people in the theater anymore. But this is this is a this is just a great response from Nia, just to you know support her film and give it give us hope in the future of watching it. Yeah, I mean it's uh, like Nia DaCosta. Like obviously, this movie's getting an amazing buzz. Uh, the like hasn't been, I guess, confirmed by Disney yet of her taking over Captain Marvel two, but she's going to be a director to watch, and we're, I think we're going to see a lot of her name in the next few years. But you know, I totally respect this response, and as much as I think Candyman would have been a perfect movie to be like, damn, I would have loved to watch this at home with the lights out, like in October, like it would. It's like the perfect scary movie to watch at home, but I understand them pushing it to next year. I just hope that it's not like a here's a January release or here's a February release. I want this to, I don't know. I like you like watching, like you were saying, Anthony, you like watching scary movies in the, in the, in the horror movie season. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see. And, and Halloween now is, we're not getting that this year in terms of not, the, not the event. We probably won't get the event either, but I mean like the actual movie Halloween um, kills was supposed to be in October too this year, but that got pushed to next October. So we're just in a really weird spot right now. And, um, I think we're in this scenario where we believe that, you know, come next year, or a month from now, we're just going to take down all the plexiglass and take off our masks and start hugging each other in the streets, hugging all our strangers. And I don't think we'll, we'll ever get to that. I don't think we were there before, but I'm just saying like, I don't think we'll ever get to a time again where we're just thousands of people packed in a room mm-hmm. uh, without having some precautions in place. So this is like, yeah. A- and I hate to say it, but it's very similar to the, the 
the events of 9-11, you know, when we were just taking flights and doing all these things and not as much as security. But now because of what happened in 9-11, you know, just flying on a plane is the, the security that you have to go through, the, the mm-hmm. scanning and all that. This is this is that type of change. Right. For- it's a cultural reset, right? That's what it is. Yeah. And I hope that, you know, what the the way 9-11 united the states uh, in terms of their camaraderie, I, I just, I wish they treated COVID-19 the same way in the sense that, hey, we can stop the spread of this by not being stupid. By, yeah, like I, airports have security now. Wear a, wear a mask. You know what I mean? Like, it's as simple as that. Wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to the trailers. 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 So we have a shitload of trailers this week. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, oh, we are oh, off for a week, right? So yeah. we got a lot to talk about. So for movies that are not coming to theaters, we have a lot of trailers this week. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go through the list, and then we're going to we're going to pick out the best ones. We got a new trailer for No Time to Die. Uh, we have a trailer for Freaky, which is kind of like a Crazy Freaky Friday twist. Uh, Dune. We finally got to see Dune. Uh, Hubie Halloween. Netflix uh, Adam Sandler Halloween movie. Um, Console Wars, which is looks dope. That's going to be on CBS All Access. We got Rebecca. Magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Nomadland featuring Francis McDormand. It's getting praise at TIFF already. A lot of people have been wanting to see it. Uh, the Comeback Trail, The Glorias, uh, Save Yourselves, The Trial of Chicago 7, starring Sasha Baron Cohen and written directed by uh, what's the Aaron name? Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin and Sneakerheads, which looks like garbage. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some of our favorite trailers this week. We'll start off with you, Daniel. What was your, what was your we'll say, top three or two? Honestly, like when you when we look at these the early trailers that we spoke about, like No Time to Die, obviously, so excited for it. But you know, we've we've given it its time. We've spoken about it so much already. Um, Dune, I think, visually looks incredible. Uh, but there was this thing at the back of my head, just saying, like every when I was watching this trailer, just saying, man, just this movie looks amazing. This movie looks like people are going to love it, but no one's going to watch this movie. Because it is a sci-fi ass movie, but I hope I'm wrong. I, I want to eat uh, eat my words on that. Weirdly enough, the trailer that I actually liked the most this week that I want to give some time to was the trailer for Freaky. Um, I was not expecting like when I got I got an email for the press release of this trailer, and I just wasn't expecting it to be so funny but also just it kind of gave me those um ready or not vibes you know of just like let's take a horror movie let's not make it so serious let's make it like fun but also kind of like take the conventions that you know and play with them so basically it's about like the 17 year old girl who has a freaky friday situation with a serial killer now the serial killer is in her body and she's in the body of vince vaughn who is who is the actor playing the serial killer, not Vince Vaughn, the actor? Um, it just it's uh, it just looked really fun, and it's coming out in November. We'll see, um, but it just looked like a it just looked like a, a really fun time, and I, and I got a lot of laughs out of this trailer. So I hope it's good. 
if you really like this trailer, you probably would like Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you, which is yeah, very same similar, director, right? Same director, which is very similar. Where it's like this horror comedy, not in the sense like we're not looking at like um, scary movie comedy. It's just funny horror comedy. Um, yeah, nothing grotesque or like you know, uh, like vulgar, but it's just funny. And Vince Vaughn looks. He looks he looks funny in this film. Um, yeah, I'm glad to see him do these little films because they are little films. He's he's been doing quite a bit of uh, small budget um, productions. He's not the, he hasn't done anything huge like writing Crashers or anything like that in a very long time. So it's good to have him like still out there and putting his face on the screen. Yeah, it's funny. I was looking at the original name for this movie, which I kind of wish they kept. It was called Freaky Friday the 13th. And I think that would have been such a funny name to uh, to keep for this movie. But it's releasing on Friday the 13th in November. So uh, I hope it's great. Jay, what did you think of this trailer? Yeah, this is a this is probably one of the standout trailers for me as well. I, I really liked it. Um, it exactly gave me those Ready or Not meets Happy Death Day to You vibes. So I'm excited. I mean, I like uh, Vince Vaughn. He's he hasn't really done anything in quite a while. I feel so. I'm curious, I, and I think it's just going to be like stupid funny. I like to see Vince what? Vaughn as a Marvel character. He was in uh he what was he in? He was in uh Fighting with My Family. I think was the last thing we saw him in. Yeah. Um, and like dragged across concrete and brawl and cell block ninety nine things like that. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, he's had a very just kind of been laying low. For sure. Shutting that low. Yeah. You were right, <laughs> Daniel. I'm like about Dune. I know Dune is looks fantastic and Timothy Chalamet's hair looks fucking great. And oh, Chalamet's hair is amazing. And we haven't spoken about him in a while. <laughs> I know. Um Jason Momoa being seen a lot in this trailer, and this just looks amazing. And I don't think a lot of people will watch it. This is like no. Blade Runner 2049. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. It's, that. it's too smart. It's too smart for people, I think. Yeah. Um, I want it to do well, but I'm like, man, you're putting this in December. I don't, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a two-parter, right? Like this is going to be a longer movie, um, a longer series, but like, I just don't see it. I don't see it finding a big audience. And I hope it's looked at the same way as 2049 of how good it is. But I don't want it to have the box office success of 2049. But couldn't agree more. My God, can, can we talk about Dune though? Because holy yeah. shit, Denis Villeneuve again with just another amazing looking film. Oh, buddy, this movie looks absolutely wicked. Um, the effects down to the coloring. It's it's you know it's funny. It's it's how I imagined it would look. And what I imagined was already, I think, at such a high bar that the trailer was hitting all those notes for me. And I was like, oh, man, this looks like I've never read the book. And I don't plan on reading the book because I just want to go into it as a film and not compare them. So I'm super excited. I I love Denis. I think whenever he does a movie, and especially with a cast like this, like you got Rebecca Ferguson in there, too. And I think she's just one of the greatest that are in the business right now. So 100%. I'm very excited for this. Yeah. This is like Dune is essentially the first science fiction book to really gain traction in the world and really spark these science fiction ideas of, you know, planets and and communities living off world and 
you know, empires and all that, which kind of leads to Star Wars and all that. So I remember I haven't read I haven't read Dune, but I know Dune is very, very like technically science fiction. And watching this trailer, it I didn't feel dumb watching it. Just on based on the story, it looks fantastic. Compared to the first Dune that ever came out, um, it looks a billion times better. <laughs> oh, I'm, easily. I'm I, I'm gonna definitely watch this if it comes to theaters. Probably won't, but I would definitely watch this if it does. Um, Hans Zimmer is doing the music score for it, so right there is just a watch for me. Yeah, uh, but visually fantastic, like Zendaya. Slow motion, the hair to the like the the scarf around oh, the face. Buddy. I don't know the nose thing. I don't know if they they use that for breathing or something like that. Um, but man, like you couldn't give it to a better director. Mm-hmm. No, this is the best director who could handle this material. This is when you mentioned Hans. This is the movie that Hans turned down Tenet to score yeah. because he's like, I can't turn down Dune. So. Yeah. He's, and he worked with Denis on uh, Blade Runner, obviously, which is a, an, an unreal score as well, too. So mm-hmm. um, here we are. We finally got our trailer for it. I just want to ask you guys, when do you think we'll actually watch this movie? We're going to watch it um, December 25th, 2020. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. You think? Do you think Warner Brothers does a home release for this? Do you think they shock the world and release this at home? No, no, no. It's coming out next summer for sure. Next summer, you think? Yeah, I think it's a. I think it'll get more money in the summer than it would in the winter. Because it's not a Star Wars. It's not like a character, like a a story that a lot of people know. I feel like you get better money in the summer. Yeah, because this is this is a longer. You know, this is going to be a longer movie. You know that this is going to be like, oh, let's take our family, like like Star Wars, like families go to see that, like they yeah. take their families to go watch this movie. This it's not going to be that. I, my bet is this going to get delayed until um, either maybe April or June of next year. So it may yeah. take Batman's old spot. Shay, what about you? I, you know what? It, it almost seems like yes, this should be a a, a summer film, but. <sighs> I don't know now. Like nowadays, everything is so up in the air. I mean, yes, should it take that Batman spot like you're saying? Sure. I just, I just, I know that it's it's gonna suffer regardless of when it comes out because that's just unfortunately how this movie is is poised to be. And I just pray that I'm wrong. That's it. I just hope this movie does gangbusters at the at the box office uh, whenever it does come out. Uh, speaking of box office, Scott Mendelson just tweeted out right now that Mulan flops in China with a poor $23 million weekend. Uh, so that just came out hot off the press. Uh, when we look back at um, like other Disney movies, um, yeah, not the greatest, not the greatest, not the greatest. And, so and all their theaters are open in China. They do have social, um, social distancing rules, but majority of theaters are open um, and they're huge theaters, so it's not like they're small capacity, like Canadian theaters. They're huge. Um, and getting those numbers really shows, um, or, or I guess tells Disney, you know, this movie wasn't the right choice at the right time. 
Yeah, for sure. Any other for trailers sure. that you guys um, enjoyed this week from the list? Um, I really like again the trial for the Chicago Seven. We haven't gotten the full trailer release for it yet. It was a trailer for it was a teaser trailer for the teaser trailer, which I hate that studios are doing now. Oh, uh, cons- console wars. You mentioned <laughs> Anthony again. Where I think we're living in a golden age right now of mm-hmm. video game documentaries. You know, we had Ludwig Gur on the show talking about Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Um, we we reviewed the PlayStation Revolution just this week. So you can listen to those reviews now. Console Wars, uh, phenomenal book, but now getting that made into an actual documentary, I can't wait to see what it looks like. We don't have to wait too long. That comes out, I think in a couple weeks, it starts airing on CBS. So not too sure where we'll get it here in Canada. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think those are the standout trailers. Hubby Halloween looks like the most, it looks like an Adam Sandler generator. Um, it's like you just put like, they taught a robot how to, they showed a robot all of Adam Sandler's movies. And this is like the, what the AI spit out is hubby Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, nothing else really stood out to me this week. How about for you guys? For me? Yeah. Like Dune, uh, no time to die, which is had a great trailer. Uh, freaky was great. Console wars was great. Uh, Rebecca was, was interesting period piece, but it has some, some sort of like, Thriller-esque elements. Yeah, thriller-esque elements to it. Um, and that's it. Like, The Trial of Chicago 7, yeah, like, that. that it's directed by Sorkin, and I'm interested in watching it, but the trailer hasn't come out yet. No Man Land, I, like, people have been talking about it. They've, they've, a lot of people, I guess it's premiering at TIFF, and it stars Frances McDormand, and she goes on, like, this nomad type of journey and traveling and meeting people and all that it's getting praise so the trailer didn't do much for me in terms of what this movie was about or how like what the story is but um i like francis and i think this character that she plays probably um suits her as a nomad because i always feel like francis can play these interesting um characters but like these these (laughs) i've gone through a lot of shit in my life type of characters yeah she has that she has that on her face right she has it like that 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 character face those lions (laughs) that's it what about you shay I think for me, I'm really excited for console wars. Um, you know, especially after watching uh, the PlayStation Revolution's Bedrooms to Billions, uh, I we we talked about it on that review how much we love video game documentaries because it it seemed like an industry back in you know when we were kids that it was just running perfect. We thought that oh yeah, games coming out, sweet sweet sweet. But now when you're an adult and you're looking back at everything, you're like whoa, there was so much behind-the-scenes stuff that was happening, and uh, it's exciting to kind of know all that now. Um, I really like the trailer for Rebecca as well, and uh, I'm excited for No Time to Die, of course. Freaky looks great, Dune. Um, I could not stand Adam Sandler's voice in Hubie or Hubby Halloween. Uh, so, I mean, let, let's see what happens. Let's just see. Uh, Sneakerheads looks god-awful. Uh, anytime King Bash shows up in a film, I immediately want to turn it off or avoid giving any sort of money towards it 
Mm. It just looks like such like a an LA like oh we're making this movie in LA because everything's amazing in LA and it looks like Vine the movie. You yeah, know what I mean? Like the, the target demographic was literally twelve year olds. Yeah, it's yeah. uh it's uh it's yeah, it's not it did not look good, so skip that. Um, let's move on to out this week. So we have three films or two films and one event happening, or actually two events happening. We forgot to put one of them there. Um, Antebellum, September 18th, is coming out. We also have Netflix's The Devil All the Time, September 16th. We have the Apple event happening September 15th. Let's see what news comes out of that, as well as the PlayStation 5 event happening September 16th. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I was I was wondering. I'm like, yeah, I didn't put the Apple event, and I'm realizing, oh, they may show some Apple TV trailer stuff there. So, yeah, it's definitely possible. Or a new Apple TV, which I'm looking Ooh. for something thinner. And yeah, what do you have right now? Did, did the 4K one? I have the 4K, but like, I just we need a better remote. Oh my remote god, it's like it's so sensitive. It's just That's so the thing, right? I like I like the I like flip like flipping through my movies with it. Like I like that and I like Siri, but I just hate that if you grab the remote the wrong way, whatever you're watching, it's like game Done. over. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like sen- yeah. it's sending it to the to the ethers. It's it's Yeah, awful. it's like oh no. I it happened a couple times with um when I was watching the PlayStation Revolution uh and because I was watching that through Vimeo, Vimeo doesn't save where you leave off. Oh. So anytime I went to the main menu, I'm like, oh my God, I have to go back. I have to find where I was. I have to like scroll through it. I'm like, oh my gosh, why? Like, why is it like this? Yeah. Yeah. But um, what do you guys think of the uh, PlayStation 5 event? Do you think we'll have prices and a release date? Yes. Yeah, I think so. And another, and I want to see, I, I'm putting it out there into the world. I'm putting it out there into the ether. Uh, God of War. Uh, trailer sequel for uh, for the sequel just something just something man again we talk about playstation because they especially with the last documentary that we just talked about the playstation revolution their aim with video games is to make them cinematic and that's what we talk about we talk about cinema so if you love movies probably every single like sony first party studio game that's ever come out is like playing a film and uh, that's that's why we talk about them, and that's why we're excited for this event. One hundred percent. Are you guys looking forward to watching Antebellum or The Devil all the time? I am uh, looking forward to watching yeah. The Devil all the time, yeah. even though I, I, I hear it's heavy as hell. Yeah, Antebellum trailer looked fantastic, but from what critics are saying, it is not great. Yeah, so that that comes out this week. So uh, if you're interested, I, mean, I, I love Janelle Monet. So like, we'll, uh, I, I don't think even if it's not the greatest movie, I think people will still, uh, I think she has a great career ahead of her because she is oh, yeah. just fantastic. Let's move on to what we're watching. So we'll work our way down. We'll start with Mr. Shea and then Daniel and then me. So Mr. Shea. <laughs> you mean work our way up? <laughs> well, we're down because I'm looking at this, this form and Shea is at the end. Yeah. So That's you're true. working up then. You uh, said we'll, we'll work our way down. We're going to work our way up. Call me Mister Shay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week, this week, um, this week, my my mom was really in the mood to watch some old Denzel films, and I and I sat down with her for one of them, which was uh, the Pelican Brief. Um, I forgot what year this came out. I think it was like ninety four, maybe. I could be yeah, wrong, but it, yeah, it has 
There's 94, yeah. Uh, uh, Julia Roberts, you know, Denzel. 93, 93. 93, okay. Yeah, Julia Roberts and Denzel, they're just so young. And the film is so, it's so 90s. Like, you're watching it, like, these are the problems that we were dealing with. And um, I don't know, I I, I really liked it. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And as a kid, I used to watch it with my mom as not caring or knowing what's happening. It was just kind of on and you're like, Oh stuff. So that's what it was for me. Um, I put on 21 jump street because I, I, I think that's a movie that I can watch weekly. Like it's, it's that good of a film. It's just so funny. Phil Lord and Chris Miller kill it. Um, feel. I feel definitely, I definitely feel I, I watched class action park. Cause I remember Daniel, you were talking about it and I know this is about action park, which was also in that film by Johnny Knoxville. Uh, which yep. the, what was the movie's name again was it also like action park as well i think it was called action park yeah yeah um i didn't i didn't personally like this documentary i didn't like the um it, when i realized that it was an hbo max documentary i definitely thought there'd be some money behind it but it felt really cheap uh felt i, I was kind of bored during it half the time and it, and a lot of it just kept felt like they're just kept reiterating oh this was fucked up but then this was fucked up oh and then also you won't believe this but this is also super messed up and it's like yeah. okay <laughs> but the, but like the the message at the end was just like yeah but it but it was a good time though right yeah, yeah like you know i watched it as well so i had yeah let's, let's talk about it you know they had this this, this guy on there he reminded me of logic i don't know why but um yeah. oh i know the guy he's the the comedian right yeah, he was a comedian. He was funny. He was actually yeah. funny. And it was just his, he would talk about, you know, his time in Action Park. But then it got to a point in the documentary where it became really serious because they started interviewing people who whose uh, family members have passed um, at the park. Yeah. And I, I didn't know how I felt. Like, I felt like the people who were talking about this, this, this park were funny. They were like just saying, yeah, it's like there was fucking. TV this is all outrageous yeah and then it you know? just went to this death and it just felt like ooh, i don't i don't know man i don't feel like this document it was just messy it was just a messy yeah. doc yeah i i think that there was the focus of it is what was really was throwing me off and i think this is this is the issue when you're coming off like i i give the example of like tiger king for example tiger king regardless of what you thought of it at least had footage and a focus that, that it was telling a story throughout its entire doc same with like don't F with cats or with anything when you have like a documentary like this where i think the concept of class action park was it, i love the idea of like hey let's make a documentary about this fucked up theme park this water park from the ni- 80s and 90s or just the 80s um in new jersey i'm like that's really cool but when you just kind of keep using like old footage uh of like look like promotional material things like that and just these interviews that from people who worked there but also didn't really feel like they uh, learned a lesson even learned a letter or mattered it just i was just like i don't know what i'm supposed to take away from this park yeah this you keep you keep telling me how bad this park is but like you almost wanted to go the extra mile and be like let's let's dive into this like the crazy shit here and and i never got that as much from from this from this documentary i just wish they went a step further and it, it did feel like it was like a more of a cheaply made documentary but yeah and it yeah. was again very shocking to me that it was an hbo max documentary because it, it felt like it was you know two guys with a with a handy cam from youtube with like yeah. 600, 600 bucks in their pocket it didn't feel like there was any production behind it so it wasn't for me personally i i, I would give it a skip it if you have it on crave so I, I that's just my opinion yeah i think so too skip it yeah, yeah. me too yeah, uh, I also watched the uh, Stanford Prison Experiment. This is also on Crave or 
um, Stars, I believe. I'm not too sure. Uh, I think it was on Stars when you told me. Is it on Stars? Yeah. It. Uh, I don't know if I liked this movie or if I didn't like this movie. All I know is that this movie made me so uncomfortable and very angry. Like there was my girlfriend and I were watching it, and at, at, at a certain point, we we're just like, I, I want to turn it off because I was getting so upset. Um, it was very intense. It's based on a true story. It's very slow as well. So. But the whole time, every character in this movie, pretty much, you start to hate them. The movie's about, you know, this experiment that happened in Stanford where they took a bunch of people and assigned them roles. So one would be a guard, you know, one would be a prisoner, and they would just put them inside Stanford and create this makeshift prison. And then around that, just see how they react. Now, the guards took their job seriously, even though they're not actually guards, they're just probably students. And the prisoners are just like, okay, well, we know this is just an experiment. So like, let's just chill, let's just take it easy. But when the guards started taking it too seriously, it changed that dynamic. And at the same time, you have, you know, Billy Crudup, who I absolutely love. I love when he's in movies and TV shows. He starts to, he's the one kind of spearheading this experiment. He starts to become so enveloped in it that he starts to forget that it's an experiment himself. And um, it was really messed up, really hard to watch. And at the same time, you just wanted to punch everybody in the movie. So there was that. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's way to end it. You just want to punch everybody. So there's that. <laughs> it just, I, it would drove me really upset. And I, and I don't think I'd ever watch it again for that reason, but it's still a very good film. And I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I finished off the American pie trilogy with my girlfriend we watched american uh, wedding uh i went to go watch tenet again and i second time the, right yeah second time and i and i think the best way that i can put it is this is the most okay nolan movie that i've seen um it's not a bad movie it's not an amazing movie it to me is just okay uh it's not one that i maybe put on again anytime soon or go watch in theaters again i like it, it you know it's got amazing um cinematography and the, the score by Ludwig is one of the best, but I felt it more the second time that the, the buildup to get to when it gets to the fucking Nolan craziness uh, took again, way too long for me personally, but I, I'd still say it's one to go watch for your first time, especially maybe now not so much in theaters because our numbers are going up. So hang on to that. But yeah, that was just, that was my, my viewing it at the second time. Uh, I went back and watched season one of the boys in preparation for season two of the boys. And then I watched season two of the boys. So I'm caught up right now. We're, I think four episodes in, uh, they're doing it weekly this time. So I'm, I'm really liking this season personally. I, I've been hearing it's getting mixed opinions or reviews on it, but I, there's just something about these characters that I just love watching, especially Homelander. He's just such a piece of shit, but my oh, he's God, the, he's the best. Like, honestly, so yeah, like you, Shay, like I, I, I was going back and watching some season one of it and um, we're four episodes into it. What's nice mm-hmm. is because they, they technically drop Friday, yeah. but they've been they release Thursday night around nine o'clock here in on in Toronto. So it's like, oh, we could watch we could start watching a Thursday night. And um I, I really I'm really liking the season. I think when you look at I think in comparison to the first season, that's such like a gut punch of like, let's get you, let's just throw you into this. Mm-hmm. Um this one you're 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 in the established world already, which is great. I think the first uh, one, and one or two episodes were a little bit slow for season two, mm. but once it starts kicking off and Homelander's there, just anytime he's on screen, my eyes are just glued to the screen. I think it's exactly. the only time that I think the only time that I get a little 
uh, things slow down is when you're with the actual boys, when you're with like Huey and the cutter and those guys that were like, it gets a little bit slower, but you're still interested in what's going on. Um, And especially where season, uh, sorry, episode four was, I'm like, man, I just can't wait to see where the season goes from here. Yeah. And we're introduced to a new character as well. Stormfront. Who's just a, you know, as a, I fucking hate her. (laughs) (laughs) like my god she is she's just so bad she's a she's a fucking racist she's in she must be a nazi or something just yeah she's a white uh but man i hate her so much and like i'm rooting for homeland homelander to fucking destroy her somehow yeah me too now there's this issue where i'm like i like homelander even though he's like this piece of shit i'm hoping he destroys her because i tolerate his shit than than storm chasers uh shit but it's not storm chaser storm friends uh i don't want to call it storm chaser storm chaser is the next one (laughs) (laughs) um but man what else were you watching shay sorry i just just so i can continue (laughs) on the boys just it, it felt like there was never a break it's just Season one into two just feels so cohesive. There's no like pause. Like, you know, sometimes when you go from one season to another, you no, just you're feel right. Feel it. This feels like this continuation of how it left off um, season one to two is just perfect. I, I agree with you. It, it feels very much like it's it's a continuation, which I loved. Um, you know, Dan and I, we watched Mulan, the, the, the 2020 Mulan that just came out, and we have a review up for that. Uh, we also watched. I also watched the the original animated 1998 Mulan, which I absolutely loved. I, I it's such a good film. Um, I was really in the mood for uh, Chadwick Boseman again, so I, I put on 42. I had never seen it, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. Um, such a good movie, so well done. Very Warner Brothers, you know, which is which is what I loved about it. Uh, I, I I saw Ted Lasso was was trending pretty much all over my Apple TV, so I was like, oh, okay, I'll put it on. So I watched the first episode, and um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I it's not something that I'm like glued to yet, but then I watched the second episode after, and I'm like, okay, maybe I can just finish the series. So I, I like Jason Sudeikis, and I and I love the I love like the London kind of theme. Something about shows and movies taking place in Europe is is always exciting because it's very different sometimes. Um, I watched Red Eye by Wes Craven, starring Killian Murphy and Rachel McAdams. Uh, it's a movie that I watched in theaters when I was a kid when it came out, and uh, my girlfriend and I were just in the mood to watch something kind of like dumb, silly thriller. And it's one of those. It's it's not an amazing film, but it's just somehow entertaining. Plus, I love movies that take place in planes. We watched I uh, watched from Bedrooms to Billions, the PlayStation Revolution. The review is up for that as well. Absolutely loved this documentary, and I guess we're going to be going further into that into the review. So give that a listen. Watched Sausage Party one more time because why not? It's such a funny film, and uh, I, I watched The Last Black Man in San Francisco. This is a movie that we touched on when the trailer came out um, was it last year, and. I was absolutely floored by this movie. I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, I immediately bought it right away on iTunes because uh, I was watching it on Crave initially, and then I saw that it was on iTunes, and I just picked it up. I think it's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen also, and there was just something about it. I was glued. I I couldn't pull up my phone during this movie. I, I was so absolutely enjoying my time with it and i can't wait to watch it again that's that's how much i love this movie mm-hmm. every frame in this movie is a piece of art um and i think it's also a very easy watch as well it, it, it seems like it could be a very 
tough movie, but I never felt the heaviness personally. I just really enjoyed it. And I, and I, and I, I went to San Francisco with Daniel a few years back and I absolutely love that city. I think San Francisco is such a beautiful place. There's so much <laughs> culture and history there. And this movie really dives into that. And I think it's really is a love letter to that city. Yeah. Um, I, I, la- the last black man in San Francisco was my favorite movie of 2019. Oh, I'm not uh, surprised at all. It's fantastic. I'm not a huge fan of San Francisco. I actually did not like the city, but man, <laughs> yeah. I actually hate San Francisco. I hate San Fr- it's like when Homer went to New York. That's a great, uh, that was just because I wasn't aware of the areas that, that I were, that I was in. So yeah, but, um, visually, Sent this like however they shot this, San Francisco looked beautiful. Um, but yeah, what a fantastic film! What about you, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we mentioned Class Action Park. I put on Ford versus Ferrari as well, just because I don't know, I was just kind of in the mood for it. I was just, I, I kept like humming the score in my head, so I was just like, I'm like, oh, she may as well put it on. And just that, that, you know, it's just like, it was just stuck in my head. Um, yeah, we spoke about the boys, Mulan, Tenet, I saw as well again, too. I'm, I'm very much in the same camp as Shay, where, you know, I, again, I love Nolan. I, I really enjoy Tenet, but it's not something that I have to go watch. Like with a traditional Nolan movie, I may have go watch a third or fourth time in theaters. I'm good to wait till maybe watch this when it comes home so I could watch it with subtitles. I think that's the biggest uh, difference is I really want subtitles. Um, I put on You've Got Mail because it's it's a movie that I usually watch around this like whenever September comes or roll, rolls around. It feels like a, like a fall type movie. It is very much um, a fall movie, yeah. You know, just as, especially when it begins and like you hear the cranberry like the cranberry song starts playing and she's talking about like sharp uh, a, a bouquet of sharp of sharpened pencils. I'm like, oh yeah, it's just a September ass movie. Uh, I put on Knives Out because I adore Knives Out. I think it's such a phenomenal movie and one of my favorites from last year as well, too. Uh, we spoke about From Bedrooms to Billions, the PlayStation Revolution, which if you didn't know, if you're subscribed to our feed here on the movie podcast, we have our review up. You can listen to that now. We really love this documentary. Uh, weirdly enough, my sister and I have been watching a bunch of movies from like that we watched growing up. So we put on It Takes Two, the Mary Kane and Ashley Olsen movie. Um, which is um, which oh, is I thought fun. Was, uh, I thought when you put this in the document, it was the um, Matthew Perry film. No, it uh, no. This is the uh, the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie, <laughs> uh, definitely <laughs> that we watched. Uh, I also um, so like Ted Lasso has been one of those shows. It's an Apple TV Plus show that's it's been in my watch queue like I guess for the last month since because it, it started back in August. Um, I started it last night. I'm like, I watched the first episode and I was very much like, Shay, I'm like, yeah, I, I like this. I'm like, this is interesting. And then I put on episode two. Then all of a sudden I watched all seven episodes. <laughs> and in a row. Um, I wasn't expecting just to fall. So like heavy into the show. I absolutely love the show. I think Jason Sudeikis is, is great in the show as like this eternal, like optimist character. But as the show goes on, you kind of start to see, what makes him as a person, the cracks and I guess his character and I, the surrounding members. So basically, if you're not too sure what this show is about, uh, Jason Sudeikis is a man named Ted Lasso, who is a football coach. And when I say football, I mean like American football, uh, NFL. He doesn't coach in the NFL, but like a, a lower a league team. Basically, what happens is that he gets called to 
the United Kingdom to coach a football team there, meaning like soccer here in North America for us. Um, and it's like the biggest like controversy that's ever happened for this football club or soccer in, in general for this Premier League team that now has an American football coach as their coach. But then you start to realize that he is one of the greatest coaches, not because of his knowledge of the sport but because who he is as a person and what he does to like i guess the morale and like to the team itself and like you start to learn about these different players on the team and like kind of what makes them uh take and come together and things like that so that I'm, i'm really enjoying the show and it has some very like like emotional moments and deep moments and i was like damn this is a phenomenal show and i i was like tweeting about it last night um and I was like all upset that uh, that there was only going to be eight episodes. And then somebody replied to me saying, "Like, oh, it's it's going to be ten episodes." I'm like, "Oh, thank God!" And then I got I woke up this morning and Jason Sudeikis liked all the tweets in, and so I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like, he actually saw that. That's really cool. But I, he's actually really great in the show, and I'm really excited to see where the season goes. There's three episodes left, and it's my. Um, it's definitely the highlight of the week for me of content. And then of course, uh, later tonight. Uh, so we'll be up on the movie podcast feed later this week. Uh, we're going to be watching one night in Miami, which is the Regina King directed, uh, film that is taking, uh, the world by storm right now at TIFF at other, like at the film, different film festivals. Um, I'm really excited to watch this movie and it's based off a play that basically is like, what happened? What would happen if like, um, Muhammad Ali, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Cassius, uh, Cassius Clay, uh, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke were like in, in a bar together and just having a conversation. Like I'm like, that's such a cool concept of like this Elseworlds type story in a sorry in a hotel room in like in 1964. I'm like, that's so cool, and I'm really excited to watch it later. Cool. Yeah, Anthony, what about you? Take us home. Um, for for me, uh, I've been watching The Boys, like you guys, um, Lovecraft Country which is fantastic on HBO. Um, the last episode reminded me of an Indiana Jones story, which was really, really good. Uh, I'll leave it there, but if you guys have a chance to watch it, please watch it. I watched a HBO Max show called Raised by Wolves, which centers around like these two androids who are tasked with like raising human children on, on a, another planet. And... Um, this is kind of like a, a it's d- produced and directed first two episodes directed by Ridley Scott. It feels like a Prometheus type of story, um, but really, really interesting. It captivated me. They're, these androids are not all great. Um, one of these androids are, they're called, um, oh, what's the word? Uh, da, 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 da. I can't remember it. What, what, what are you trying to say? Like they're not answer. Like- Okay, <laughs> a necromancer. So, like, they this android is just a killing machine, but is also reprogrammed to raise these children. Um, so, really, really interesting story. Uh, watched Class Action Park, uh, from bedrooms to billions as well. The PlayStation Revolution. I also watched an episode Down to Earth with Zac Efron, where he talked about um, the differences about water and kind of like this. This series is is Zach's like way of going around the world and understanding Earth and being connected with the earth and learning about all these different elements and how we can make earth a better place. Uh, it's on Netflix, uh, NBA playoffs. 
which was a sad one for us in Toronto because we lost to those yep. damn Celtics. Um, and I've been playing a lot of Luigi's Mansion 3, which is a fantastic Enjoying it? Game. Love it. Fantastic. Um, I just love the art direction in the game. It oh, feels very Halloween-ish. So it's yeah. like a great game to play on your Switch during you know the Halloween months because you're sucking up ghosts and and <laughs> Luigi's like in this haunted house and you've probably heard of Luigi's Mansion One and Two. This is just the continuation. Mario. Um, yeah, I didn't notice that. Like, <laughs> it says it like really freakily, like Mario. 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 Uh, there uh, used to be button back in the day on GameCube. So when because it was a launch game on GameCube, the first one that literally when you tap A. On the, and on the GameCube controller, if you picture it in your head, there's a giant green A button on it. It's like the biggest button on the controller. And like anytime you would tap that, he'd spe- he would say Mario differently. It was so good. He'd be like, Mario? 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 It's so good. Yeah. I didn't... I, I just stumbled upon it, but it was funny. Uh, <laughs> and then I also watched One Night in... Or I'm going to be getting ready to watch One Night in Miami, our first uh, TIFF film of TIFF 2020. Yeah, oh. keep keeping the streak alive, you know? Keeping the streak alive. Look forward to that review in the coming days. Cool. Let's move on to yeah. my trivia question for the week. Oh, boy. Um, this one this one will revolve around um, a film that we all watched this week, which was from Bedroom, uh, Bedroom to Billions, the PlayStation Revolution. Um, my question for you guys is, what year was the first E3 held. It will be multiple choice. Was it 1994, 1995, or 1996? I'm going to go with 1995. And Shay? I'm going to go with 19... 19- Ninety-five. Good job. You both got it right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Placed in 1995 in L.A. And that is the year they released the, the Sega Saturn and the um, PlayStation to the press, to the world. Yep. And the, the Sega Saturn was available that day, confusing the hell out of everybody. <laughs> Which I also like if, you know, like nowadays, if someone were to say, and it's available now, I would be like, let's do it. I guess let's back, go in get the, it. back in that <laughs> time. You know, do you think PlayStation will be like, yeah, on Wednesday, like the PlayStation 5 is out now. And it's just a, like just people going crazy. Um, I don't think so. I don't think they're just <laughs> the world that we live in now. I don't think they have the no. product to do it. I do think it will be cheaper than the Xbox. Like I said, even if it's a dollar cheaper. Just, <laughs> just to like, you know, fuck them, you know, just, we're going to be a dollar cheaper. So, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I did like it just, just for the shits and giggles, because you know, that two ninety nine comment was all like, it's the biggest thing for them. You know, two ninety nine. it's how can we make this system cheap? Like, how do we get people to buy our system? We make it cheaper by even a dollar and people will buy it. Um, but yeah, I think it will be that or really expensive. One of the two. And if everyone's wondering how our most quotable movies bracket is doing on our Instagram page at the movie podcast, 
Well, round one is pretty much complete, and we're now going into round two. Uh, we've already started round two as well, but I'll kind of give like a brief rundown of how round one went. Anchorman versus the 40-year-old virgin. Forrest Gump versus Step Brothers. The Godfather versus Training Day. And 21 Jump Street versus Pulp Fiction. So the last two will be coming out uh, this week. And the week that we just passed, we had a 40-year-old virgin beat out Anchorman. It was a very, very close game. But 40-year-old virgin came out on top. When it came to Forrest Gump versus Step Brothers, we did have a tie. They were both at the exact same. So I did post it the next day after. And Step Brothers kind of came out on top. Again, very, very, very close. So uh, excited to see how this week goes. And then we're getting closer and closer to the finals, guys. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I was I was surprised with that tie. But uh, again, the... The right movie came out at the end, I think. So yep. yeah, like I don't even remember yeah. Lieutenant Dan, but then again, I haven't really watched. It so <laughs> but yeah, but I do it's, remember yeah, Step yeah. I'm looking forward to. Of course, you remember Step Brothers. Yeah, it's uh, yeah I'm, look, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking forward to see where it goes. So that wraps up uh, the movie podcast. Again, you can follow us at the movie podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well as join our Discord. Check out our show notes for all those links and everything we've discussed today. That was This Time with the Movie Podcast. And we'll see you next.